Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I welcome you to this conversation today, and I'm so glad that you're here. And you know by now that I have a passion for equipping dads to be the heroes that they want to be and that their daughters need them to be by providing you dads with practical, action-oriented tools that support you in your fathering goals. So as we begin, let me review the template that I use every week, On Your Mark, Get Set, Go!, So dads, envision yourselves standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. I'm your coach on the sidelines saying, on your mark, that's the topic or the theme. Get set. I'm going to fill that in with stories and stats and go always ending with a practical action oriented way that you can put your love for your daughter and your son into action this week. Well, today I have what you could call a guest coach standing with me on the sidelines. His name is Dr. A.J. Swoboda. There is so much that I could say about this man, but I'll start by just saying he is the brother I never had. Mm -hmm. There is just kind of a kindred spirit heart thing that we've had for very many years, and it's such an honor to have him here. Now, I love his heart for people, for ministry, for teaching and preaching, and writing. And let me tell you, this man is a deep thinker. So you are going to love learning from him today. AJ pastors Theophilus Church in Southeast Portland. He's the executive director of the Seminary Stewardship Alliance and teaches at Portland Seminary and Fuller Theological Seminary, among others. He is an award-winning author or editor of nine books. Oh my goodness. We're even going to have a giveaway that you're going to hear about later. And he speaks regularly at conferences, retreats, churches, and seminars. Now, before I get started, I want to just highlight a couple of his books that have been very impactful for me. One is Messy, God Likes It That Way. Okay, come on. Is that the best title? Another one, A Glorious Dark, Finding Hope in the Tension Between Belief and and experience. But today, we're going to be focusing on his newly released book, Subversive Sabbath, The Surprising Power of Rest in a Nonstop World. So, AJ, I'm excited that you're here. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here, Dr. Watson. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, on your mark today, The Power of Rest in a Nonstop World, I'm using your subtitle of your book to be the focus because you know well, more than I do, because you've been doing research to write this book, is that we live in a culture where not only do None of us know how to slow down. I'll put myself in that. But fathers aren't equipped to lead in that. Would you agree? 100%. Okay. So today we're going to set the stage by saying that's where we're going. And really, I'm going to put you on the hot seat and say, you're a dad. You get to lead dads today in helping them understand how to be more proactive in the way that they lead their families. So good. Let's Sound do good. it. Well, like I said, here on the Dad Whisperer, we focus on dads specifically. So just tell us a little bit about you as a dad. To your son, Elliot, or being a dad, you know, what that's done to change your life, that kind of thing. Yeah, I love it. Well, um, yeah, so uh, my wife and I have been married for 15 years this summer, and we have one uh, boy, Elliot, who is six, who uh, broke his arm two days ago. Oh! Uh, Little guy was uh, skateboarding and uh, couldn't stop going down a hill, but um, he managed to uh, fall his way off the the skateboard, broke his arm, and he's just, um, he's just... uh, the, the greatest little guy you could ever imagine. And my wife and I um, are so grateful to God for this guy, but he's our one. And we, we've, you know, dealt with infertility issues for a long time. So we've got one boy and it mm-hmm. probably will be one. And um, we love him. And my wife, Quinn and I uh, live in Southeast and yeah. So yeah. this guy is just a, a hoot nanny. <laughs> I love it. And if you're like every other dad that I've met, they say it changes you fundamentally at the mm-hmm. core mm-hmm. to step into a fathering role. Yeah. Um, th- there are just some things that you do in life that uh, you can't undo. 
Uh, and it's for me personally been uh, it, it it actually has completely changed the way that I uh, understand God and the Bible and you know, all the references in Scripture to God being a Father. Uh, they start to kind of mm. make sense after mm. the experience of being a father. So it's completely changed. Uh, it's it's ruined us in a in a very good <laughs> in a very good way. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you're super passionate about this topic of a Sabbath rest. Yes. I've mm-hmm. heard you recently mm-hmm. preach on this. Mm-hmm. I've read in your book, and I love again that subtitle. <clears throat> so I'm using that: the surprising power of rest in a nonstop world. So I want to just start by asking you. What have you learned that has surprised you mm. about the power of rest? Yeah, well, I think um, the, the the real the the thrust behind this book was uh, started writing it about three years ago uh, after um, having preached on the topic of rest in my church for three weeks. I had this very surprising experience of uh, preaching on Sabbath in our church for three weeks, and uh, and I preached on all sorts of things that have made people upset. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've ever had more people leave our church than when I talked about rest. Why? Um, That's crazy. Well, it's this particular, this this theme of Sabbath is such a threatening concept because it, it subverts everything we think about our time and, and our life. Um, and, you know, it's even, you know, rooted in the, in the Ten Commandments in the Bible. And uh, we were in a church council meeting as a, um, the people that deal with finances in the church. And it dawned on me that if I, you know, nine of these commandments, if I broke them, if I, you know, committed adultery, I'd probably lose my job. If I stole money from the church, I'd probably lose my job. If I, you know, murdered somebody, I'd definitely lose my job. And it dawned on me that if I don't take a day of rest a week, I'll probably get a raise. Um, mm. And that was a real epiphany that uh, I've been thinking about really for three years. And I think the most surprising thing to me about rest is how threatening it is. Um, it is, you know, there are a lot of messages in the Bible that uh, are comforting and encouraging, but the message of rest um, really upends and undoes our false sense of self. And that is that we are defined by what we do. Mm-hmm. And the Bible just doesn't, and that is a theology you know, of works. We are, we are loved because of who we are and who Jesus is. So it sounds like if I'm reading between the lines, which is what yeah. we as women do, right? Is it? Mm-hmm. This sounds like it's actually in in the spiritual realm, like mm. demonic realm, that kind of thing. Mm. It sounds like what you're talking about is mm. this is a full on mm. if it's if it's really coming up against our identity that we're not right what we do or yeah. who we are. It's really interesting when you when you look in the New Testament. You know, Jesus um, kept a day of rest. He was God. I mean, you know, Jesus was was God in human flesh, and uh, what's you know surprising is is God in in human flesh takes a day of rest. Um, you know, I think I think it's a good question to ask: Are we better than Jesus? You know, if Jesus needed it and he was God, then we probably need it too. Um, but when you look at all the days that Jesus rested, right, which were on Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, which was Saturday, uh, Jesus encountered more demonic stuff on Sabbath than any other day of the week. Mm. Uh, he cast out more demons than any on Sabbath than any other day of the week. He, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, without question. And I I just can't help but wonder if. Um, the demonic, you know, evil forces in this world fight against rest. I was reading, uh, you know, there have been people groups in history that have really struggled to rest because of certain circumstances. I think of the Jews during the Holocaust. And during the Holocaust, the Jews tried to rest. They did everything they could, but Mm. the Nazis figured out that if they could destroy the rest of the Jews, then they they could destroy their hearts. And I was reading this one concentration camp um, soldier who was reflecting on why we want to disturb the rest of the Jews. And he said, uh, the reason we disturb the Jews' rest is because we found if we can disturb their rest, then we can steal their hearts. 
because mm. we've learned that every time they take a day of rest, they get their spirits back. And that wow. is the voice that is the voice of the evil one who uh-huh. is saying, I want to steal what God is trying to give to you, and that is God wow. wants us all to rest. Wow, if we steal the rest, their rest, we steal their hearts. Mm. Wow, mm. that is yep. profound. Mm-hmm. Okay, well let's let's come at this from the angle of what have you found or you mm-hmm. believe biblically is the benefit of resting? Or mm-hmm. or let me say it this mm-hmm. way, is there a downside to not resting? Yeah, well the the downside to not resting is 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 uh, is is frankly disobedience to God. I mean, meaning <laughs> um, this this whole invitation to rest, first and foremost, is is a, is not a suggestion; it's a commandment. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is you know, it's one of one of the odd to me that of the Ten Commandments, right? That nine of them we would be like, yeah, that's so important, and then we come to the Sabbath one, we put our hands in our pockets and go, <laughs> yeah. ah, it doesn't matter, right? So we basically have nine commandments and one really strong suggestion. <laughs> Um, so I think the number one important thing to say that recognizes is like, this isn't something God just suggests. Like, I think the Bible is pretty clear that resting is uh, an integral part of being a human being. The flip side of not resting, which I think gets really practical when it comes to our conversation today, is all sorts of people around us suffer when we don't rest. And I want to say even today in the realm of parenting, hmm. um, that as a dad, when I don't integrate rest into my life, my son pays a really big price. Um, my wife pay, pays a really big price. My church pays a really big price. And In what way? Well, um, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I was raised in a broken home. My, <clears throat> my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. My dad was a, is a doctor, a phenomenal doctor at that. But when I was a kid, my, my dad was on call all the time. Mm-hmm. He worked all the time. And there were two things that I loved doing with my dad. I loved going fishing with my dad and going to Disneyland with my dad. Those are the two things that I mm. love the most. And I've reflected on this for years. Why did I love those so much? I think the reason I loved him so much was because my dad wasn't on call during those two times. Uh-huh. He was I remember present. This, right. You know, a doctor always has a beeper in his right hand, you know, on his, yeah. on his back belt. And I took my son to Disneyland uh, for the first time a couple of years ago. And we were standing in line uh, somewhere in Adventureland. We were in some line somewhere. And there was this little five-year-old boy who was standing next to his dad, and he was pulling on his dad's shirt trying to get his attention. And the dad was standing there. This happened for like a minute. This son is just pulling on his shirt. And the dad is looking down at his phone, and he's answering emails. And it dawned on me that we're raising a whole generation of kids where we are physically in the room, but we are not in the room. Mm -hmm. And there is no greater gift to parents and children than the Sabbath, because it is actually us being in the room with our kids. Uh-huh. And that's in the 21st century, uh, the people that know how to be in the room with their kids are going to raise a whole new generation of awesome kids. Yeah. How do you then, as a dad, mm-hmm. lead the Sabbath in your home? And what's it like for Elliot to have a dad that gets it? Yeah. Well, um, it, it begins, first of all, with me recognizing, if I can be candid with you, it first of all recognizes, it forces me to recognize as a dad, um, my idolatry. Um, I worship all sorts of gods um, other than God. And um, I don't want to, but I do. I worship the God of success, the God of achievement, the God of workaholism. I worship all these gods. And unfortunately, uh, when I worship other gods other than the Father, Son, and Spirit, mm-hmm. my son pays a disproportionate price tag for that idolatry. And when I worship 
any other God, my son gets sacrificed. And we say we don't believe in child sacrifice, but I can tell you as pastors that we believe in child sacrifice all the time. We put our work ahead of the things that matter the most. And it is actually only when I worship the Father, Son, and Spirit that I can love my son the way that I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing is that re- I have to recognize that I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an idolater, and the Sabbath forces me to, to realize that. And the second thing is, uh, one day a week, we do this thing where on the morning of the Sabbath, which for us, it happens to be on Saturday, although in my book that I wrote, Subversive Sabbath, I do not believe that it needs to be a specific day. Mm-hmm. We make pancakes. The biggest pancakes you've ever had. And we, my son pours maple syrup all over these things. It's an ungodly amount of maple syrup. And we just sit <laughs> for an hour and eat pancakes. And it's our Sabbath tradition. And the reason we do that is the Jews, there's this old Jewish tradition that the fathers on the morning of the Sabbath would have to get up early and get a spoon of honey for every kid in the family. And the, you know, we don't, we don't, so that they would never forget the sweetness of God's rest. We don't do honey, we do maple syrup. And the goal would be in 50 years when I'm dead and gone, if anybody even says the word Sabbath around my son, uh, he'll just start to drool. And <laughs> what the Sabbath is, is it is extending to my son the gospel of Jesus as that God loves my son too. Mm. And so it, it confronts all of my idolatry, but it simultaneously gives my son the grace of Jesus. Wow, that's that's so powerful. So, okay, let's let's even go a little bit bit deeper into this concept of men, Mm. fathers, Mm -hmm. and this concept of Sabbath. Because clearly you're saying, I had to face my own idolatry first. In other words, Mm -hmm. I had to do my own work to get clear on either what's blocking me from leading my son or my family forward in in keeping the Sabbath. But what do you think in your conversations with men is keeping them blocked Mm. from leading their families in this way? Yeah, well, you don't get a raise by playing Legos. Um, there's no economic benefits to mm-hmm. keeping a Sabbath. You, nobody uh, gets a raise in our world by taking a day and not working and being at home with the people that God has placed you to, to love and serve. Um, I, I think that we, we are a, an achievement culture um, that creates value. You know this, by the way, immediately when somebody asks my wife, you know, what do you do for work? Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, I give most of my time to being at home and serving my child. You don't have award shows for moms that stay at home. Yeah. You don't have award shows. You, you, there's, no, there's no cultural. Maybe men could start one. Boy, oh boy, could <laughs> we know? ever. There's nothing in our culture that celebrates the woman who does, or the man who says, I want to be at home and serve my kid. Mm-hmm. And there's in our culture, no achievement award for the person who knows how to rest. Um, so we have to just learn to be celebrated by God and another culture. And at the end of the day, um, my son is going to remember his dad being home and he's probably going to be the only one. And the truth is um, the people who recognize the Christ likeness in our life are the ones that are closest to us. And they're also the ones that recognize if we are not mm-hmm. walking with Jesus. And my goal is that I want my son um, to look at his dad and say, my dad really knew Jesus and knew how to stop what he was doing and come home and play Legos. Yeah, There you go. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, I'm talking with Dr. A.J. Swoboda. He's a pastor, he's an author, he's a speaker, and we're talking about his book, Subversive Sabbath, The Surprising Power of Rest in a Nonstop World. You know what I was just thinking about, A.J., as you were talking, is that you were talking about how much we ask each other, like, what do you do? Mm. And then if it's not something that our culture values, we look down on it. Like, mm-hmm. wow, you mm-hmm. only stay home or yeah. wow, you take your Sabbath day every week. Whereas in the Jewish culture, 
everyone took a Sabbath Mm -hmm. starting, right, at sundown on on a Friday night. So, like, the culture supported that value. Yes. And so I could imagine that some fathers might say, AJ, you don't understand. You're right. I don't get a raise when I play Legos with my kids. But you don't understand. My wife stays home. I have to work. Mm. I have Mm. to pay the bills. I have a mortgage. What would you say to that, Dad? How do you work that out? Well, I I would say... um, I'd love to hear that dad who says that apply that to anything else Jesus said we were supposed to do. Uh, do we have that same approach towards um, loving our neighbors? I don't have time to do it, so I'm not going to do it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to. Uh, how about faithfulness to your wife? Do you, I'm just. I just don't have time to do it. I'm a man with impulses. I'm supposed to do. You know. I'm going to. No. I mean, th- there are things in the Bible that. Uh, you know, I, I think of Genesis one and two when God said to Adam and Eve, He said, "You guys can eat from all the trees except for one." the one in the middle of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God never explains why. There's no explanation as to why that's the case. And Adam and Eve don't ask why. There's no moment where God's like, you know, here's the reason why you can't eat, eat this. And mm-hmm. he, he just says it. He commands it. And there's an element of trust. You just do it because God said to do it. And I think in a lot of ways, the Sabbath commandment's the same way. Like, we don't do it because it makes the most sense. We do it because God invites us into it. Um and it takes an, a ton of trust, a ton of trust. Isn't it interesting? Adam and Eve were created on day six, and day seven was the day of rest in Genesis 1 and 2. I, I'd be curious if your your listeners have ever thought about the fact that Adam and Eve's first day of existence was a day of rest. I have never thought of it that way. For, right? The first day. the very, They didn't work for six days and then get a day of rest. They rested, and then out of that, hmm. they got their work done. We assume, as men and as women... That rest is a reward for six days of work, mm-hmm. and the Bible has no construct like that. You actually begin with rest, and out of rest, you work, which is why the Jews begin the Sabbath on the evening. You begin resting by sleeping. You don't begin resting by doing. You begin mm-hmm. by resting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the gospel of Jesus. God always extends love and mercy first, and out of that, we get our work done. Come on now, bring it, you're preaching it. Okay, here's part two then. I'm, I'm kind of thinking through this thing about fathers. What if mm. a father then is listening and, and he's like, okay, I, I get what you're saying. Where do I start? Mm. Because we're mm-hmm. going in 10 directions. Yes. You know, w- me and my wife are double teaming or my partner. We're, we're getting kids to rehearsals and practices and games. Yes. Where does a dad start if he says, okay, I'm buying in, I get First this. thing, here you go. Uh, if you're a dad uh, and you're married... Or you've got a kid. I want you to go to that the your your wife or your child, and I want you to ask them, "What would you think about me taking a whole day where my phone was off and I was just with you?" I dare you to do that. <laughs> and what, what you're going to find is if you did that, your family will explode with joy knowing that you're even thinking about it. So number one, what I want you to do is just ask, because at the end of the day, by just asking, you're going to see ah, actually, they do really want this. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is, um, you got to start planning for it. Nobody accidentally rests. For the Jews, um, they actually have a whole thing called the day of preparation where they get ready for the Sabbath, you, you, meaning you, you take a whole day to work to get ready for the day of rest. It, the, there's a built-in irony there, and that is that nobody, I've never met anybody that accidentally Sabbathed. Um, <laughs> you, you have to be, wild. it takes a ton of work in order to be able to rest in our culture. So you've got to be wildly intentional. And I would start by identifying one day a week uh, one 24-hour period or two 12-hour periods if, if you have to begin there and block them out. And you got to start planning for it. You got to think, how are my email response is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. crafted? How am I going to say no to the family who wants to do the, the, the work thing that needs to happen on that day? Or the, and start planning around it because 
Number one, I've never met anybody who accidentally Sabbathed. I've secondarily never met anybody who used to Sabbath. <laughs> and the point is, once you start doing it, there's yeah. no going back. Yeah, yeah. And I'm there. I'm, I've am i been doing it since 2003. There you go. Yeah, same yeah. thing. You're an addict. You're a Sabbath addict. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. So I love that because you're giving this concept legs. You're saying if you want to walk mm, this out, mm. you have to be intentional yes. on the front end. I, in fact, AJ, I hadn't even thought of that, is that you did prepare for the Sabbath. You didn't yep. just accidentally, oh, today's the day. Yeah, so it's Friday. Or the, for a normal weekend for me, a Friday uh, would be the day that we uh, do Sabbath preparation. So I would go home and mow the lawn and do our finances and do the dishes and get ready for Saturday. And then Saturday, we would do the rest. Uh, and, and what happens is if I don't have that Friday to get ready, then usually Saturday things start creeping in. Mm -hmm. I want to mow the lawn. I want to do this. I want to do that. We need time to prepare for this stuff. We can't just expect it just to happen. Like we have to be wildly, wildly intentional, uh, uh, to do it. And we just assume, you know, if, if, if I set aside a day and I, I, uh, just wake up and we'll just automatically rest, you would be shocked at how much work rest mm-hmm. is. Yeah, there you go. Which is, I think, why people aren't doing it. Exactly. Yep. So would you say anything, AJ, about the, the second half of what Jesus says is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. believe makes a Sabbath day actually holy? Well, yeah. I mean, you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, by the way, and all the things that God makes, the only thing that God calls holy, the Hebrew word kadosh, the only thing that God calls holy, he doesn't call humanity holy. He doesn't call sunsets holy. He doesn't call my favorite fruit pomegranates holy. He doesn't call anything holy except for the day of rest. It is the only thing in Genesis 1 and 2 that God calls holy. God makes it holy. Our job is not to make the Sabbath holy. It's already holy. Our job is to keep it holy. Mm -hmm. We don't make anything holy. We just keep it holy. Right. So, which is why in the Bible, we are always invited to enter the Sabbath rest. We don't create it. We enter it. God has set it aside. He's created it for us. He's made it for us. Our job is to simply enter into it. It's like a party that mm-hmm. God has been setting for all eternity with the biggest feast you could ever imagine. Mm. And he's saying, come in, there's a seat for you. I mean, isn't it beautiful, by the way, that the picture of heaven in the book of Hebrews is of Sabbath. I mean, you can say that you don't want a Sabbath today, but boy, you're going to be doing it for a really long time. You might as well get used to it. You might as well start practicing now. In fact, that's the way the Jews describe Sabbath today is Mm. the Sabbath today is a day uttering eternity. It is a day of preparation for our eternal rest. Okay, AJ, I'm not kidding you. Okay, I've just turned 58. I've never heard the Sabbath talked about like this. Mm. Have you? Mm. Um, Well, for the last 10 years, yeah. But before that, before that... Uh, I was a neurotic, uh, I was a neurotic mess. And honestly, I can say this to you with, with tremendous confidence that the Sabbath has saved my life. It has not Mm -hmm. saved me from my sin. Only Jesus saves us from our sins. We are saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus. We are not saved by doing the Sabbath. Jesus saved me from my sin and gave me life, but the Sabbath saved my life. And I could not imagine living in this world without one day a week to just be with God and the people that I love. Yeah. I couldn't imagine living. And you know, I I can agree. I mean, I, I confirm and agree with what you said because that's what is a key part of, I started mine when I was getting my doctorate. Mm, so at a time, yeah. my pastor preached on it one day and I thought, I can't afford that now. You don't under, this is the busiest time I've had. And now when I get interviewed or people, you know, students say, how did you get through? I say, I started keeping a Sabbath. Wow. It's how mm. I got through. Mm. 
When I least thought I could take the time, it's what got me through. And and, and like you said, you can't go back once you start it. And I think if dads could step forward in their families and say, it's going to start with me. Yes. Even if their kids are like, I'm not on board. Would you tell a dad, start it for yourself? Yes. If your wife isn't Mm. on board, start doing it yourself and model that to your family. Because you're going to be a better dad. Hey, Michelle, can I can I read just um, please a, yes. one a text to you that in the Bible really speaks to me uh, that this morning this morning as I was preparing for a time together, I was reminded that the very last paragraph of the Old Testament this is this this is literally the last paragraph before the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is the last paragraph of the Old Testament. <clears throat> I will. This is in the book of Malachi, chapter four. I will send to you a prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. The very last paragraph of the Old Testament is a promise of somebody who would come who would return the hearts of the fathers to their children. When Elijah, when John the Baptist comes, the same thing is said of his ministry. He was turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their heart, their mm-hmm. fathers. Um, the work of Jesus is to repair the relationship between fathers and their kids. Yeah. Amen. And the Sabbath is not a prescription that fixes everything, but I will say this. It is a really big step forward. Yeah, a really big step. And Jesus called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And I think that Jesus knows that the Sabbath is one of these gifts that will repair this relationship. Oh, I love it. Can you just end by reviewing those two go steps, the action steps that dads can take? Yeah. Ask your kids and your spouse, should I take a day of week of rest? And... And their response will be enough for you. They will say yes mm-hmm. and throw a party. And then secondly is you need to start planning. And that is take one day a week uh, and and it, be intentional about it. You've got to set parameters and boundaries and just begin by being intentional. I love it. I love it. Well, if you've been listening to us today, you know that this has been a powerful conversation by pastor, teacher, author, Dr. A.J. Swoboda. The topic has been the power of rest in a nonstop world. Thanks for joining us. You can always go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where I have more resources for you as dads. So I'm signing off and encouraging you dads to intentionally and consistently love your kids today. Go dads.